Matthew 28. Uh, before we start, I want to say a, a massive thank you, Pastor Ellie, for the opportunity to preach. It's, it's yeah, man, preaching the gospel anywhere is a privilege, but preaching it in this church, uh, sharing the stage with such great men, uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, recently, Beck and I had the privilege to go to the, um, the Prescott Conference uh, in July in their fantastic new facility there. It was an amazing time. And on the way back, um, we stopped through New York for a couple of days and we were able to go to the September 11 uh, memorial and museum uh, that they have recently built there. And um, we all know September 11. If you have memory, uh, you would remember that day. You remember where you were. You remember what you were doing. Because that date is, is tattooed in all of our hearts. It's, it's remembered very clearly. I remember I was in grade five and driving to school, and I remember exactly what was happening that day and because it affected us. And on September 11, we saw the best and the worst of humanity at the exact same time. We saw the worst on one hand. We saw these demonic-filled Muslim terrorists hijack these four planes, drive them, uh, fly them into the towers and around America. But on the other hand, we saw courageous Policemen, firemen, responders rush in to a burning building when everybody was rushing out. And they gave their lives to save others. So the museum had a quote, the, the firemen said, they said their aim was not to extinguish the flames, but to evacuate as many people below the point of impact as possible. And this morning, church, I want to declare to you, our, our job is not to extinguish sin from the earth. Our job is to save as many people as possible. And rescue them from this burning world. I've got a quote here from William Booth that really stood out to me. He says, most Christians would like to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. I would like to send them to hell for five minutes. That will do more than anything else to prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. So I'm going to preach a sermon this morning on Missionary Morning entitled First Responders, a tribute to all those they gave their life that day, and all those men and women, police officers, firefighters, uh, those in the ambulance that risk their lives every single day uh, for all of us. So let's read from Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. But uh, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this conference body, God, for our fellowship, God, that we, we believe in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. God, I pray, put a burden on our hearts for world evangelism, God, those people that are in need, God. I pray, soften our hearts for the gospel. God, send forth missionaries and laborers from this congregation this evening, God. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. First, we want to look at the value of a soul, and how do you determine uh, the value of something? You know, some people's trash is another person's treasure. And uh, growing up in a, um, a WOG family, uh, we were able to turn a lot of trash into treasure. Uh, we did very well with that. But I think today that's one thing that, has been, that is treasure but has been misplaced for trash is human souls. Value is measured by what you're willing to pay for something. That's, that's what, uh, how you uh, measure or gauge its worth. And... Jesus makes it clear the most valuable thing in all the earth is a human soul. He showed that and demonstrated that by his actions, by what he was willing to pay. So many people today wonder about their value in life and 
Uh, am I important? Am I worth anything? But Jesus makes it clear how valuable every single human being is. Think about this, that he left his throne in heaven and decided to come to earth, born in a disgusting manger, a feeding trough. He left a sinless, pure, holy, righteous environment and lived in a sinful, evil, unholy, unpleasant environment here on earth. And not only did he just come, he lived a sinless life. He willingly put himself through pain and torture and through betrayal. And can I say, probably betrayal is more painful than physical pain. And he went through that. All of his men left him. All those that followed left him. And he, he allowed that. He allowed them to, to get nails and, and put them into his hands. He allowed them to get a crown of thorns and, and dig it into his, his skull and his head. He allowed them to beat him and, and pull his beard from his face. They allow, he allowed them to whip him. He allowed them to, to crucify him on a cross where he would hung and suffocated in agony and torture. They say for, for around six hours, just hanging there. At any point, he could have just decided this is enough. But he was willing to pay that price because souls are the most valuable thing in the world. And he gave his life for it. And he did all that to show us how valuable we are to him. We understand for God so loved the world that he gave of himself for us. He didn't just send some random person or, or send something. He gave himself for us. The, the Lord of heaven and earth came down for us and gave his life for us. And many people today, they think, what should I give my life to? Should I give it to this career or to this sport or to culture or family? But we should look at what Jesus gave his life for. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. Romans 5, 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare to die. Maybe for a good person, maybe someone would give their life. But God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst, God gave his life. For us. You know, Jesus, you read through the Gospels, he gave his life and his time for individuals. John 4, he, he meets the woman at the well of, of, of Samaria. He goes to Samaria to meet the Samaritan woman. And, and we understand that Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. They didn't value each other. They, they didn't like each other. But Jesus says, you're valuable to me. Regardless of what culture says, regardless of what other people say, you're important. And what's the last thing Jesus did before he died is He's hanging on this cruel cross and he's still reaching out to the thief and, and giving him hope of salvation. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I don't know about you, but if I was on that cross, I'm not thinking about anybody else. You guys have done this to me and I've had enough and I'm getting out of here in a couple of hours. But still in his dying breath, and we read that in, in the Bible. We read, oh, and he's just like he leans over. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And, but put yourself in that situation. He's hanging on a cross. They say most people would die on the cross from suffocation, blood and water getting into their lungs. And to speak, he'd have to lift his body up and he's putting all of his energy and the weight into his feet where the nails are. And it's putting him in, in so much pain. And he does all of that to reach out to this sinner beside him. Because souls are so valuable. They're the most important thing in the world. The Bible is full of scriptures to show us the value of a human soul. Let's break a couple of them down. Mark 8, 
36 and 37, for what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is putting the human soul on a set of scales. And on one side, he puts just one person, one human soul on, on one set of the scales. Then on the other side, he puts all the world, all your dreams, all your hopes, all your plans, all the money, all the property, all the career, all the sport, everything you could ever imagine. And he puts it on the other side and the scale doesn't even move one millimeter. It doesn't even compare. It's not even close. It's, it's not like, oh, a little bit. No, no, the whole world, give everything you want. But one human soul is more valuable. That's more important than your career. It's more important than your house. It's more important than your car. It's more important about anything that you have. One human soul. Jesus makes some pretty serious statements about the soul. Mark 9, 41, he says, Whoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, as surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. He goes, you help one person, you're not going to lose your reward. A cup of water, the most basic thing, because he says, you're, you're helping a soul. But he moves on in verse 42, he says, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone be hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. It's pretty extreme. Because he says, you don't mess with people. He goes, you don't destroy people. You don't hurt human souls. This is the most valuable thing. You can hurt other things, but don't touch one of the children of God. And this is something we all must be aware of, especially as leaders. I, I, I fear for some guys when they stand before God and how they treated some people and how they hurt some people. He goes on. So firstly, he talks about you help others. It's important. It talks about hurting others. Then it talks about yourself. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to go through life maim than to, than to get your soul in hell. So he's talking about the importance. It is so valuable. It is priceless. James 3 talks about leaders will get a stricter judgment. They won't get a stricter judgment on, on the clothes they wore. They won't get a stricter judgment on their points of their sermon if they all sounded the same or, or how many jokes they got or how many amens they got in a sermon. They'll get a stricter judgment on what? On how they treated people. On the, on, on the souls of men and women. Every leader, we must, must remember this. How are you treating people? What is your value for souls? The two greatest commandments, love God, love people. And we can go all morning on, on, on this, but I don't think I need to explain it too much because in all of our hearts, I believe God's put something inside of us that we realize how important people are. You might not be able to get time off for a holiday, but you can get time off for a funeral. Because there's something in us that it's a, it's a human now. And God has placed that in our hearts in 9-11. 2,996 precious people lost their lives. And that is not just the number 2,996. It's not just something we made. These are individual people, souls, men and women, children that Jesus died for. And one thing I really loved about the, the museum and memorials, the dignity that they give to every single person. Uh, I've got a video here of the, of the water memorial they've got outside. They've got them um, uh, where the towers actually stood, and you can play that as soon as that's ready. And they've got this water feature that, that lies all around, and all these jets of water come across. And, and it goes into this big, big, deep hole. And these are all the names of the people who died. It's all around. 
the, this, this massive uh, hole here. This is exactly where the tower stood. And it's got all this water flowing through. And, and so first of the names, that they didn't just put them in alphabetical order. What they did was they put them together with their friends. So if they're on the same level or they're sitting in the same desks together, they'll put themselves together. If they're on the same plane, they'll put themselves together. They'll put uh, their managers and, and bosses, they'll put them together. They'll put their friends together because they gave dignity to every person. Then those jets, that water that you saw, they're not just random jets flying everywhere. Do you know how many jets of water there are? 2,996. Because they gave every single jet dignity. Every single person that, gave, that died that day, they gave dignity. It's inside all of us. Going through this memorial, they had the, the posters. We could put that photo up as well. After 9-11, obviously, many people were missing and many people lost their lives. And, and they had these posters up. Family members would go around, and you see here, they'd put pictures of, of these people up, and they'd say missing, and they put their name and rewards. If you find them, or we'll call this number. I think I've got another photo there as well. And, and seeing that, it makes it personal. These aren't people, random people. Just These are loved ones. These are family members. These, these are ones that, that people are hurting and crying and, and desperate for. The anguish of, of, of their heart is, is burning for these people. The next photo, is, you actually can't record in this room, but I, I found a picture online, is they, they had this room, you walk all these different rooms, and it had all these pictures around. And they had a picture of every single person that died that day. 2,996. Every single person was there. And on these interactive screens at the bottom, you can press someone and it will give a description of them, what they did for work, their life, their family, their hobbies. Every single person. Because there is value in human souls. Then, as you walk out, you can take that down. As, as you walk out of this room, they have this uh, stereo playing, all these, these speakers have got these voiceovers playing. And it's friends and relatives of those who died. And they say things like, my father, and they'll say the name. My sister, my wife, my children. And it, it broke me there because what if it was my father? What if it was my son? What if it was my wife? What if it was my friend? gives a different meaning. They're not just people out there. And people out there in this world, they need Jesus. They're not just people or numbers that we send on a gold sheet. They're people. They're souls. And they're the most valuable thing in the world. So let's look secondly at um, the responders. The events of 9-11 absolutely horrific and um, took them nine months um, just to clean up the mess it was 1.8 million tons of rubble that they had to go through and it's nearly impossible to explain the destruction uh, that that was there the, the towers were 541 meters high the MCG ground is 160 meters so three and a half times the MCG standing up and just incredible destruction that, that fell. And 
I've got a couple of pictures here. You see the uh, antennas. You can put them up. And this antenna, you see them on the top of the towers, and they don't look too big. They don't look too, too wide. They just look like these skinny sticks hanging off the top. And um, this is the size of it. This is the width. It's actually uh, 110 meters high. I've got another photo from another angle. Imagine that falling out of the sky. And all through, all around that, those two buildings, all this rubble was, was falling out and all this destruction. But inside those buildings, people, were, people needed help. People needed rescuing. Also here at this museum, they have the, the fire trucks, and you can put them up. And you'll see at the front of this fire truck uh, how it's, it's been shattered. You see uh, at the front there, I think the next photo might, might be a bit clearer. This is the actual fire truck that, that went to ground zero that day, and um, uh, uh, ladder 11. And what happened with these men, ladder company three, they heard about the attacks, and their captain, Patrick John Brown, asked, called up dispatch and said, send me and my men there. You see the front how it's all smashed and broken. That's from the debris that was falling out of the sky. And it landed on the truck. And he called up dispatch and said, send us there. There was other places where they needed help. But he said, send us right to the towers. Let us run into the towers. He went. His crew of 11 went. Some had just finished uh, an overnight shift. And they decided, we are going to go. And they ran into the north tower. And that day, 343 firefighters gave their lives serving their country, saving people. And their motto, you see all through the, um, through the museum, is, is this, I just did my job. You see interviews, they're like, we're not heroes. The ones that survived, we're not heroes. I, I just did my job. And as Christians, it's just our, it's just our job. We're not, it's not this great thing that, man, I'm so amazing. It, it's Christianity. It's gospel. It's discipleship. It's what Jesus did, and it's what he's telling us to do. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friends. They say inside the towers, like a horror movie, uh, Neil, the center, he was stuck on the 81st floor, and he speaks of the elevator shafts, and from the, from the fuel from the jet uh, that, that hit the, the tower, it had all these explosions, and it actually had burnt uh, the wiring of the, of the elevators. And it had set it on fire, and these elevators were free-falling because the wire had been burnt, or it had been so, so weak. And they, imagine elevators free-falling down, and then it land at the bottom, and it'd smash and blow, and all this fire and, and smoke will come out. He said... It felt like I was in a horror movie. All this smoke was coming. It was like raining fire in these elevator shafts all around. He goes, I felt like I was in a horror movie. And I, I wouldn't say it's like a horror movie. I'd, I'd say it's probably more like hell. When Revelation 14, 11 says the smoke of their torment will, 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 ever, will go, be everlasting. And Revelation 21, 8, when it talks of the lake of fire. And it, it was like hell in there. Yet they went in rescuing. Proverbs 28, 11, and 12. Deliver those who are drawn towards death. Hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? 
people needed rescuing, and the firefighters gave their life for those in need. Bruno, Bruno Dellinger, he worked on the 47th floor of the North Tower. He was heading down the stairwell. He says the stairwells were so overcrowded and overheated. Uh, smoke everywhere. Regular people, he says, like me, people from upper floors were badly burnt, no skin, no hair, just burnt. They were coming down walking or being carried by other people. He met firefighters and security personnel. In those eyes, you could see that they knew something. It was dangerous. They knew something. And while there was no panic whatsoever in the stairwell, those people were concentrated, focused on doing their job. And while I was walking down, they were going up to their death, and I was walking down to live. They knew that they were giving their life that day. They responded. Another man, Stanley Pramnath, was an executive at Fuji Bank in the 81st floor of the South Tower. And um, he was actually eye level, he says, when the, when the plane hit. And he says his desk was the only desk that, that survived the, 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 the hit of the plane. All the other desks had broken. Debris was falling on top of him. Actually, some debris fell on top of him, and a nail went through his hand and all this. He was stuck there, and he was crying out for help. He was a Christian, and he cried out, said, Lord, I don't want to die. Send someone to help me. And Brian Clark was a man from a bank. He was a banker from Euro Brokers on the 84th floor of the South Tower. He was making his way down, and he heard him crying. And he went down, rescued Stanley, and they both survived. Can I tell you, church, that prayer, Lord, I don't want to die, send someone to help me, is still going out today. People aren't just in burning buildings crying out for that. People are in their bedroom crying out for that. People are all through the streets at school, at work. They're crying out for this. People are in need and crying out, can someone save me? And we are the respondents to their cry. There's a, a young lady in my church, Olaith, and um, she gave her testimony a few weeks ago, a few months ago in the concert scene. She said she had a good childhood, but in 2012, everything changed. Her, her brother died, and he was only three months old. She said it, 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 it broke her. And she felt responsible. She's the oldest of five. And after that, she started gaining a strong relationship with her, with her dad because uh, she never had that at a young age. It's building and getting stronger the next few months. And um, later on in that same year, 2012, her dad committed suicide. And she said she just, she couldn't handle it. It was, it was just too much for her. She, her brother, her father, utterly broken, couldn't stand. And a couple of years later, at only 11, she started cutting herself. Started off as a joke, she said, but then uh, she'd do it with other people. Then she'd get bullied at school, and she'd carve the, the person's names into her arm. And what they'd call her, they'd carve it into her, her wrists and her arms. This went on and on and on and on. One day, she just wanted to end it all. She got the rope, and the rope was around her neck. And by the grace of God, she got a phone call from someone, convinced her not to end her life. But the suicidal thoughts kept coming. The cutting kept coming. And one day, a young girl from our church just invited her to church. Uh, she said, no, 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 I'm not interested. And, but really, she's broken and needed help. She eventually came out to church. And she says, I just went just to have a laugh. She goes, I started even laughing during the altar call. She goes, but the joke was on me because one minute later, my hand was raised up in the air, and I came down to the altar and gave my life to Jesus. 
And she goes, I'm completely delivered from all these suicidal thoughts. No more cutting. No more thoughts. There are people like that everywhere. She's only 16. There are people like that everywhere. And if you saw her, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even blink an eye. You wouldn't, you'd think nothing's wrong. You, you wouldn't even get when I'm, when I read that, can I tell you, she, when I, when she, she sent it to me before she gave her testimony. And I'll be honest, I, I felt convicted. Because I, sh- I should have gone to New Zealand earlier. How many more people are like that? I went to New Zealand when I was 23. I should have gone when I was 21. I should have gone when I was 19. Because there's so many people like that. Christianity is about responding. And not responding to the needs of others as a Christian is like being a firefighter and refusing to run into a burning building. Refusing to help the needs of others as a Christian is like being a firefighter and refusing to run into a burning building. For God so loved us, he responded and sent his son. Now, the the duty's on us to respond. And Christianity is all about responding. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, follow me, respond. Respond. Now do so. You've heard this. Now respond. That's great. Do something about it. Like Pastor preached last night. And the only ones in the Bible who, who, who didn't get, get along with Jesus are the ones who didn't respond. The rich young ruler, I'll do anything. Sell these. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And what's needed for world evangelism? Number one, money. Number two, couples. We've got money. Saying we don't have enough money in Australia? We've got money. You're telling me that you wouldn't give tonight if people, if we put up another flag? When was the last time we put up another flag in Footscray? Our text is a great commission, command. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. And the emphasis is go. Go. Because there are souls in need. Go because souls are the most precious thing in all the earth. Go because souls are more important than your dreams and your hopes and your plans and your future. Go because, because there is a need at hand. Don't, not go because there's a carrot at the end. Because the people, the, the firefighters running up the building didn't say, what about my benefits? What am I getting paid for this? How's this, uh, what, what do I get? How am I sure I'm, I'm going to be protected? They didn't do that. They ran because there's souls in need. And I can preach this sermon completely different and talk about all the benefits, and there are benefits, but we don't do it for the benefits. We do it because there's souls in need. We do it because Jesus said, go. We do it because time is running out. We do it because Jesus Christ is coming back soon, and we talk about the second coming, but how many of you still haven't even heard about the first coming yet? We, we go because Jesus said, go. That's it. That's the end. What, what else do we need to say? Jesus said it. That, that like... What else do we need to add to this? But I don't feel it. Where is that in the Bible? Jesus said it. Why else do we need to press, oh, but you might get some money or you might get, and by that, God is the one who gives us the power to gain wealth. And so for not doing it because of money is is insanity. What is money? Go. Because how are they here without a preacher? Go. How can they believe on him who they have not heard? Go so we can, we can plunder hell and populate the kingdom of heaven. It's our duty. 
and the call has not changed. Evangelism, discipleship, church planting, it has not changed. Thank God we have such a great fellowship, you say, amen, that we could stick by the stuff and Pastor Mitchell doesn't show up with, with ripped jeans and, and all this trying to be. We just preach the gospel like men. Thank God for the men of our fellowship. Thank the Lord. So let's close with making the choice. very moving part of 9-11 memorial and I know I've said that a few times but every part was moving so I wanted to rush through had other things to do and I spent like three and a half hours there there's a video of the staircase if you get that going and these this staircase is called the survivor's staircase and um, the World Trade Center had three um, three staircases. this is the actual staircase so at the start this is what it looks like before uh, all the rubble and everything fell and then over here on this next side, uh, see how they look nice and clean and beautiful and perfect. And then over here, this is what it looked like as they were going down. These are the actual stairs. This is staircase A. And so the World Trade Center only had three staircases. If it was done today, by law, they'll need five or six staircases. And there was a problem because staircase B and C got blocked and the reason is because the staircases were too close to each other. They were in the middle, and they were right next to each other. But staircase A was further away. And so when the plane hit the building, it broke through on staircase B and C, knocked them out completely. And only staircase A was, was a viable option, and they could go down. These were the stairs of hope. Can I just imagine if the other staircases were clear, clear and available? Imagine how many more people could have made it down. Imagine if there were more sta staircases. Imagine there are five, six, seven, eight staircases, staircases, stairwells. Imagine if the stairwells were further apart. Imagine if there was a bit of distance instead of being so close together and they could reach the four corners of the building. Church, we are the stair stairway of hope. It's us. We're the staircase. Jesus has given, us, given them hope and freedom, but the way they find it is through us, is through we sending out churches. And it's us who go. And I'm going to challenge you for the nations. Thank God we've got a staircase here in Funskray. Thank God for the staircase in Onihanga and all around these other, these other places and, and, and nations. But we need to send out some more staircases. People need Jesus in other areas. My vision is not Onihanga. That would be a very selfish vision. Vision is the world. And we need to reach all these other places. Could you be that staircase of hope somewhere else? Instead of being so close together, can we spread out a little bit and reach some other areas, put up some more flags? See, coming to conference, seeing people from all these different countries. Isn't conference amazing where you could see people from the other ends of the world, but they have the same spirit and they're changed by the same power of Jesus Christ? Will you avail yourself to be a light? You know, the firefighters went into the burning building by themselves. But we don't go by ourselves. Jesus says, Lord, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. You don't have to fear going, because it is God who does the work. Thank God it is God who does the work. Because if it was us, we'd all in be in trouble. You know, Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man doesn't really believe in evangelism, does he? Until he's in hell. And then he says, he really believes in world evangelism. He says, go tell my brothers. Go tell them, they need to hear about this. 
And I've got another picture here. It was a picture of the torso of Christ. And again, I'm, I'm not really a Jesus idol type of guy, you might have noticed. I'm not really into that sort of stuff. But this Catholic church was all through New, New York, and um, they had this picture here. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, whatever. And so Then I saw what was written underneath it. It said, Christ is represented without arms or hands to remind us that we are to be the arms and hands of Christ to a world with which he will soon return. I've never felt convicted in a Catholic church before. <laughs> until that moment. At least I got something right. It was made out of stainless steel that represents the steel exterior of the World Trade Center. That's us, man. Jesus has done enough. What else does he need to do? He's done everything. And now it's our turn. So we have two options. The choice, number one, is to be a staircase. Second way is to be a picture of, of strength and this wall. There's a picture here of, of the slurry wall. And um, it's the last picture. I hope you're okay with that. Like, when they were building these towers, it was actually very close to the Hudson River. And what would happen, as they're digging, the water would seep in. And they couldn't build, and they couldn't construct anything. And so what they did, they had to build these slurry walls all around. And this is the actual wall. It's, 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 uh, the museum is built right where uh, the, the towers were. And this is the actual wall that was there. And they built it to keep all the water out. And one thing that they were worried about is as they were rushing into the building, they were scared. What if these walls crack? If these walls crack, all the water would come in and flood these lower levels. So there'll be fire falling from up top and there'll flood rising from the bottom. Incredibly scary time. But despite, despite the plane hitting the tower, despite the tower falling and crumbling on top of itself, these walls were unmoved. No cracks. They didn't shake. They didn't break. They didn't fold. You know, we need some people to go and be staircases, absolutely, and reach the world. But we need people at home to be as strong as these walls. And keep out carnality in the church. And stand for holiness. And stand for righteousness. And stand for discipleship. And stand for what is true instead of letting this religious age infiltrate the church. But we'll stand behind their past and say, we're not going to let this in our church. We're going to fight for the right culture in our church, the right attitude in our church. No matter what comes our way, we won't crack. We won't fall. We won't break. They say 14,000 pe people escaped the World Trade Center that day. And most of them can thank those walls from standing. And thank God for those who go. But those who stay, there is such a blessing on your life. We need you to stand strong. I love coming back to Footscray and seeing old people again, all my friends again. And they're still here, still serving, still strong in the Lord. Close with two more things. Um, after the, the Prescott Conference, I had the privilege of preaching in one of the churches in California. Now, at the end of the service, uh, I handed the, the service back over to the pastor, and he got up to the church. You know, I'm standing right here, and he goes to the church. Well, I had an opportunity to get a church from uh, Pastor Greg Mitchell called this week, and we had an opportunity uh, to send a guy and replace and take that church, a good church. And he says, but... We had no one to send. And it was like that, deathly silent. And I'm standing right here, and I'm like, oh, rapture, let's go. <laughs> yeah. We had no one to send. Yeah, this, don't let us get to a stage church where we have no one to send. We've got money. We can send. 
but we need men. We need couples willing to go. You may have heard of a man by the name of uh, Dorian Judson. He was one of the, America's first missionaries. And he went to Burma, and um, they'd never heard the gospel before. And for seven years, he's preaching, not one convert. Now, that's, that's pretty discouraging. You know, I get discouraged at the weekend and no one's saved. Imagine seven years, not one person saved. Then another six years before he had enough to even just start a church. In the last year of his ministry, 21 years later, so after 35 years of ministry, 7,000 people were saved from his ministry alone in Burma. A study done 10 years after uh, uh, his death, they found that 210,000 souls had been saved from the influence of his ministry. How many of you want a destiny like that? Not many? How many want a destiny like that? You, you, you touch 210,000 souls. So who's willing to go to Burma? Who's willing to go? Who's willing to respond? Who's going to be the first responders? Who's going to put up their hand and say, I'll, I'll go, I'll do something? Who's going to go up to their pastor and say, send me? Because you really send yourself. It's not pastor tapping you on the shoulder. It's you tapping him on the shoulder. Saying, send me. Send me. This is missionary morning. First responders. Let's do something for Jesus, church. Amen. Let's bow it. Uh, let's give God praises. Us to come. <laughs>